You guys, I'm super excited because today I have the king of the podcasting world. I am obsessed with this podcast. Zach Peter is here, the host of No Filter with Zach Peter. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I feel so special. Oh my gosh, I feel so special. Your podcast has like over, what is it, 4 million streams now? Yeah, I think we were over 4 million streams. And then the YouTube, I think we're at like over 11 million views. So we've we've been moving and grooving. <laughs> what does it feel like to see something? Because obviously you have such a passion for it and it shows in your work. What is it like to see something that you love doing so well? I mean, it's incredible. I I started the podcast like eight years ago, back when podcasting was not a thing. I didn't know what I was doing. Nobody really had a podcast um, yeah. at that time and nobody really understood what it was. I remember I'd have to like explain it to people and be like, oh, it's like Netflix, but like for radio. And like, that's how I try to tell people. And they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Good luck with that. And I was like, okay, thanks. I don't really know what I'm doing, but you know, I was doing stand up and I was like starting to like do a little bit of YouTube stuff. And then there was this network that was just getting started, which is actually the same place Joe Rogan started. Um, and they were like, we want to bring in more like stand up talent and comedians to come in and maybe you could do something pop culture. And I was like, ah, okay, sure. And I would say even within the first, the first like four years, I didn't really know what the shape of the show was. I didn't really know, like, do we want to talk pop culture? I also really like wellness. Do we want to talk wellness? Do we want to talk about my personal life? And so the first four years were kind of just a mess and they were all over the place. And I was, you know, trying to figure it out. And I had like maybe 30 people that would listen every week. And I was like, today we have 34, we're killing it. Um, so it's incredible to see how much the show has grown and to see what it's grown into. It, it's, you know, the podcast and the YouTube and the socials, and it's just become so much bigger than I ever could have imagined. Do you think it's so funny? Because like you said, when you first started, you were being told to like pigeonhole and pick a lane. Like, do you want to do pop culture? Do you want to do wellness? Do you want to do stuff about your life? Do you want to do like funny things? Like, isn't it crazy that you, you didn't do that and you somehow found a way to make it a melting pot of all of the things that you were interested in? Yes. But I also, I think the pigeonhole thing can be helpful. You have to really get micro and like find a niche. Mm -hmm. And so I think once I built that niche into just being like reality TV, specifically Bravo, then that's when it really started to kind of pick up because then I kind of was able to be somebody that people would go to specifically for that news. And then once right. I was able to build the audience there, then I was able to kind of rebranch out and add in all these other elements of, you know, my personal life and of uh, you know other more general pop culture stuff or just general things that interest me that you know I had to really get micro and then start to build it out from there and the the Bravo world is a very tricky universe <laughs> oh my god it's insane okay. how do you like I mean obviously it's a very fun depending on what side of it you're on um, it's obviously a very fun and creative space, but there's also like a lot of negativity as I'm sure you've seen. In the oh my God. Are you kidding? Do you not see what they say about me on Twitter? Um, 
No, I think it's it's crazy because I think people get so passionate about it. And it's right. like, I mean, it's like sports, right? You're like so diehard one team or the other um, that I think it's kind of funny. And I've, you know, learned to kind of take myself out of the intensity that people have when it comes to like their favorite housewives and the drama yeah. and the feuds and, and just kind of look at it as entertainment and enjoy it for what it is. You know, it's not that deep at the end of the day. What are we fighting about hair extensions? Like, <laughs> let's get real. I always think it's funny, though, because the people that have the most to say, the most opinionated people when it's very dark are always like the private pages that have like yeah. no pictures, like not a lot of followers. They're always private. Half the time you can't even tag them back. Nope. And that's what I that's why I have so much respect for just the content creators in general, specifically in this space. But I think, you know, yeah. if you're putting your name out there and your face out there, like you, when you attract any sort of negative attention, they will come for you. And it does feel personal. And you have to realize it's not personal because Susie in Ohio, you know, can't even fix always her fucking hair. So why is she talking about my roots? You know, like it's always a Susie. It's always a Barbara. There's always Barbara from Nebraska. And I'm just like, <laughs> come on. You know what's funny? I watched your Instagram live yesterday and I, I heard somebody say something about your roots. And I was like, what is wrong with the roots? Shakira, remember when Shakira had like the roots and like- Kim Kardashian made ass. roots. Yeah, Kim Kardashian made roots a thing. I have to go to Vegas this weekend um, for Erica Jane's, uh, the opening of her residency. Mm-hmm. And somebody said to me, they're like, are you going to get your hair freshly bleached? I'm like, I can rock. I like to rock a bit of a rooty vibe. Um <laughs> Like I like it's okay. I'm I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm confident. Like knock my roots all you want. I'm good. But isn't it funny? Because like I I can't remember who I was talking to, but one of the housewives said when they can't find like actual things to to talk shit about you two or about yeah always something random like that. Like I hate your roots. I hate yeah. It's I hate yeah. your your background and your videos. And you're like okay. <laughs> bye. bye i'm not forcing you to watch this bye are you more quick with the block or are you more quick because i unfortunately like to entertain it sometimes when it's like really stupid and i hate myself for it but i do it are, are you more of like a blocker or do you kind of like partake a little bit in it before you hit block i rarely ever hit block i rarely <laughs> will ever no it's like no i don't want to block you i want you to watch me continue to win and I know that you're watching me because you keep commenting and you keep coming back for more. So I want to keep feeding you. I will say though, I had to stop reading as much of like the mentions in the comments. Um, right. I do like to dip in and like within the first few words, like if it's positive, okay, I'll I'll entertain it. If not, then I like immediately tune it out just for like my own mental psyche. Um, but sometimes I like to clap back and like have a bit of a sassy moment. And I've learned that sometimes even in the little clap back and forth, that I actually tend to win them over because they're like, oh, you're actually kind of funny. And I'm like, duh, why do you think you keep following me? Isn't it funny? Because like these people really don't know us, but yeah. they feel like they do. And they feel like they feel like they're entitled to these like outlandish yeah. opinions about like stupid things. Like, like, like I don't keep going back to the roots, but like it's something so yeah. stupid that people are yeah. like, like I'm having a bad day in Nebraska. So I'm going to come at you for Just, yeah. your roots because I I have nothing to do because it's Nebraska. Yeah. And well, and you have to remember like they're just they're 
people don't put out that sort of like hate or negativity if they're not feeling that internally. Um, And so you just have to know, like, it's, it's not about me. It's all projection. They're not happy with whatever their situation is. So they have to project onto somebody else that, you know, is shining in a different way that they want to dim that. And so that's how I just kind of separate myself from it is it's like, I don't take it on because I know it has nothing to do with me, even if it is a cheap shot at my looks, you know? And that is, that's totally true. And it totally ties into my next question, because obviously we have to talk about the Real Housewives. Yes. Obviously you are a super fan like I am. And I feel like when you're in this industry and you become friends with some of the ladies like we are, that comes with pissing off the fans of whoever that person is feuding with, I feel like. So how do you deal with with that because obviously in this industry we become friendly with like certain people and you kind of get to know them beyond the show and beyond the personas that they play so what is that kind of like when people are coming at you for people that you're becoming friends with you know outside of reality tv I mean I feel like I don't even entertain any of that you know like I I remember one month I happened to see like I happened to be with Erica Jane, Lisa Rinna, and Sutton Strack. And I remember on both sides of it, people are like, what? You're hanging out with Rinna? What? You're hanging out with Sutton? Like, it was just... And so I'm like, listen, they're human beings. They're nice people. Like, Sutton was very lovely. Like, she's always been very lovely to me, as has Erica, as has Lisa. That To me, I'm like, they're just people. Some of them I've built better relationships with than others. I've always tried to be really good at not developing too much of a relationship because we also, I still have a job to do. And part of my job is to critique what we're watching on television. But I try to explain to people that like, I can separate the two. I can look at the character on television and have an opinion about that. And I can also know that she's a lovely person in real life and like not you know, like, what do you want me to do? Throw something at her when I see her in person? <laughs> yes. Like, come on, that's not realistic. If I'm going to be around them, I'm still going to try to have a, you know, a nice relationship with them, even if I drag them for what they do on the show. Right. And I feel like that's what you do and your take on it is very hard because it's very easy to pick like a favorite and then blindly yeah. like follow that favorite and not really kind of check them for when they're not really doing what they're supposed to be doing and I feel like you definitely got a lot of that especially with Lisa Rinna and Erica on Twitter I remember seeing some of yeah. the threads that people were like how can you be friends with Rinna she got booed at BravoCon how can you be friends with Erica and there really is no winning because I loved how you were at the event with Erica when she got together with the victims when they were filming oh, yeah. um, and I thought that was a great moment you know she was finally able to talk about and you know, work with these people. And she did it the first opportunity she could. And people still were not happy that she yeah. was like, helping the victims. I, I just did a live show in New York and it came up when we were on stage. And and the second that it came up, I, there were people in the audience like, oh, boo. You know, and I was like, what is the issue with this? And people were like, it feels so self-serving. Why now? Why now? Because she has to promote her Vegas re- residency. But I'm like, who cares about the timing? These people were wronged and they found closure in having a face-to-face conversation with Erica. You know, maybe it was genuine on her end. I believe that it is. Maybe it wasn't genuine on her end. But regardless, everybody wants to talk about the victims, the victims, the the victims. This was a good moment for them, and they left feeling good. So why are you bothered? They feel good about it. They feel like they're, you know, 
finally seen a light at the end of the tunnel or whatever it may be. She gave them something that they needed. So why is it an issue for you? Why do you not all, all of a sudden you don't care about the victims because Erica is now acknowledging them and like what? Well, I said the same thing. And if they didn't want to be there, they wouldn't like sign they wouldn't have been exactly and been at the event with her you know so i was like so do you guys want the victims to have closure or you just like hypothetically want them to have closure not actually have any closure no they just want to continue to hate erica for the crimes that her husband committed right i i think that's that's so crazy to me especially when we recap these shows because you know our job is to recap these shows and to have people get to know these ladies and the, the interviews that we do and things like that and I feel like one of the things that was hardest for me and I kind of took notes from you about not really giving a fuck about it was I would kind of do these interviews and I would show these different sides of these women that I I knew were there and people still were never happy they were like oh they're being nice to you because you're a journalist or whatever and I was like or they're just really nice people and we're talking about our favorite bronzers you know what I mean like yeah. you would with your friends yeah I mean it's so wild to me that like but it's like but it just goes to show that it's like they don't want to have their opinion or perspective shifted they want to stay right. and validate their hatred for somebody that's literally a character that they're watching on television because I mean yes it is reality tv and these are their right. real lives but we're seeing an edited version with what five six seven sometimes eight different women so right. you're only getting a few minutes of their lives once a week you know that's not a real version of them that's a character that the editing has created based off of what their real life reflects that is something i totally agree with and it kind of brings me into the whole this bravo reckoning or whatever we want oh god yeah that's, that's okay. happening and let's get into it I just, it's it's so crazy because we're seeing, I mean, obviously Bethany is has made herself the poster person for for what's going on, but we're also seeing, you know, the ladies like Nini Leakes, who is no longer really involved with Bravo, you know, doing her interview with Carlos King. And then we are seeing Kenya Moore, who is still, you know, on Bravo doing these interviews with Carlos King and they're um, spilling the tea on these productions and the things that we either kind of knew about but wasn't talked about or things we didn't know about that are being talked about do you think that pulling the curtain back on these things is going to hurt the franchises or do you think it's going to make them better because these things are going to be fixed I don't think it's going to make them better if anything it's going to because it's like what are they complaining about that reality television is too toxic but what do we watch for we watch for the chaos and the drama and right. unfortunately if you take out the layers of chaos and drama it's going to change the genre and I think people tuned in for one thing specifically and if it suddenly changes you know I think it's going to make reality stars and like real housewives it's going to make them censor themselves a lot more it's going to make them you know kind of be a little safer in some of the decisions that they make right. um and so I don't think it's going to necessarily help. The, I mean, or the production companies are going to have to get more creative with the type of content that they're putting out there. But you never know if that's going to resonate with people. People love trash TV for a reason because it's trash. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that's what we indulge in. We don't take it seriously. It's literally, you know, 
trash TV and we love it and we indulge in it. It's like, you know, chocolate. You eat chocolate, not because, you know, it's going to necessarily, yeah, like it's chocolate at the end of the day, right? Ice cream at the end of the day. Like it makes you feel good and it's sweet, but it's still, you know, sugar. It's still going to have a reaction in your body in that way. So it's like, do you like ice cream or do you want to take all the sugar out of ice cream and then just eat healthy ice? It's like what, like you have to pick a lane. Well, that's the thing. If, and I'm sure you see it too when people are critiquing the episodes. They're saying, oh, this is a, a lot of people are saying it with Atlanta. You know, this was a boring season because there wasn't enough drama. And now that yeah. they filmed without Lisa Rinna, people are like, oh, this show isn't going to have any drama this season. It's going to be boring. But it's like you people were complaining that there was like too much quote unquote drama, even though it's reality TV yeah. and that's what we it was, come to love. It was too, to- that was the craziest part. Everyone's like, it was, it's too toxic. But I'm like, do you not remember the early days of Housewives? Like seasons one and two of Beverly Hills where there oh was no Lisa Rinna or Erica Jane. I mean, talk about ruthless and toothless. Like Kim Richards was like, <laughs> insane and yeah. it was great right you know it was it was television you know that's what made it great and, and yeah, yeah exactly it was real it was i mean come on season two was like all focused on taylor armstrong and the, her husband's suicide that it was like it right. was so captivating because it was so real yeah. and raw but also you know, Kim Richards' sobriety journey, you know, Taylor Armstrong and her situation with her husband, Kim and Kyle's drama as sisters, like all of that was raw. And we were tuned in because it, I think because it also, we were able to connect to it in some way. Like we all had that crazy, we all have that crazy sibling that we want to choke sometimes. So then when we see these fights happen on television, it's real. Or we've all been in situations that, you know, hit a little too hard, to our own lives that there's that relatability that we're able to see or there's that like aspiration of like the jets and all of that stuff right the jets and the planes and the yachts so I think that there were elements of reality tv that maybe we've lost a little bit because maybe now the drama is a little more manufactured maybe it is a little more self-produced but you know I think it's we can't say that we don't like the drama and want to take the drama out of reality tv because that's what it is you know yeah that's why we watch and what was your take on speaking of Beverly Hills when they were done and then picked up the cameras again with the whole, because I was excited for the Erica Jane's moment with the victims, but I kind of did side-eye Kyla Richards's. So Erica's, Erica's things, Erica's thing with the victims is not going to be on the show. That had nothing to do with Bravo. Oh, they really? didn't film it. Nope. She didn't film that for Beverly Hills. I don't even think she told production that that was happening. She well, did see, that all on her own. That's one of the things that people were like, oh, it's going to be for the show. And I was like, well, we don't know that. You know what I mean? We No, it was, yeah. There were no Bravo cameras there. There were LA Times cameras that were there, but the LA Times was filming a separate documentary um, and they weren't even sure if Erica was going to show up or even want to participate in it. And my understanding is that documentary is focused on like corruption within the legal system here in California. So LA Times is producing that and it looks like Erica will be participating in that based off of, you know, some of the footage that they did capture that day, but we're not going to see any of that play out on Beverly Hills. Um, I don't think she told Bravo about that, but the Kyle Richards stuff, my understanding is they didn't really pick up cameras as much as they did with like Scandaball, but like they filmed like a scene or two. I think Kyle and Erica Erica filmed a scene where Kyle like explains like what the situation is with her and Mauricio. Gotcha. See, that's the thing that, you know, the, uh, the social media accounts, people just yeah. really 
make shit up. <laughs> yeah. And, and they put it out there and then it yeah. goes quite, and then it goes wild and everybody runs with it. And it's like, we have to actually vet these things, guys. Well, that's the thing. How do you, because obviously our jobs again are to report these things that are going on in the shows and to talk about them and have conversations about them. How do you like not just get wrapped up in like the, the, these random stories like without like because I'm someone who likes to fact check and I'm sure you are too because you have so many followers like is that something that's always been important to you to make sure that you know I'm not just gonna put something out just because I saw it just for clickbait I'm gonna actually make sure that it's real yeah and a lot of people do just put it out for clickbait um and I think that that's a very easy way to hack the algorithm and to get a lot of followers really quickly um I'm more about like slow and steady wins the race you have to let people trust you because here's the thing you can get a hundred thousand followers on YouTube in two seconds if you keep putting out the clickbait but then eventually what's the retention going to be like for that right people will continue they'll watch what five six seven videos and once they realize all your content is clickbait eventually they're going to leave and go to someone else that's a little more you know reliable or that they can connect to a little bit better and so I think you know it it, you can build really really quickly but I think when you build too quickly one you don't understand the you don't have the real work ethic to build something sustainable and so I think you know listen let's say Bravo Bethany takes down Bravo and her her reality reckoning right then what are all these Bravo content creators going to do if there's no Bravo for them to keep spinning these stories and are they going to be able to keep their accounts whether it's Instagram YouTube whatever are they going to be able to keep them sustainable or you know are they just going to dip out of dip out of it altogether and and what is their intention is it really just to fan the flames or are they trying to actually build a business do they want to be an authority in this space um so yeah for me i do like to fact check things i do like to you know i I know a ton of producers i know a ton of the the stars themselves that you know i like to make sure i do my due diligence but i'm also very clear like if there's a salacious reddit rumor that everybody's talking about i can't ignore the reddit rumor but i make sure that i'm very clear this is a rumor that's going around on reddit and it's speculation yeah and it's speculation amongst the fans it's not a confirmed thing like i'm always very clear about that rather than making reporting it as fact um because again then i think people they aren't able to trust you and if they don't trust you then you ultimately lose them in the end i'm a firm believer in that especially in this industry because it's so fickle and people are so quick to like fangirl over somebody and then quickly be like canceled like I don't like Mm -hmm. their content they're too friendly with this person or whatever how do you one of the things I wanted to ask you was when I so when I first started doing this podcast I had like a moment of self-doubt and I was like I need a co-host I can't do it by myself and so many people were like you don't need a co-host and I was like well it kind of feels nice to have one and that obviously didn't work out we went our separate ways and I I didn't like where it was going so I wanted to do it by myself how did you know that you wanted to just do it by yourself and not you know have a co-host and and do it that route um I've worked with co-hosts on different projects in the past. Um, and it's really, really challenging. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they've worked out really well and sometimes they haven't worked out really well, but 
you know, for me, I, I know what I want. I know how I like things done. I can be a bit of a control freak. So I know that that is a little challenging for other people as well. Like I can't just say the reason it didn't work out is all because of the other person and not because of me. I have to have a little bit of, I have to take a little bit of accountability in that. And so it, it comes with knowing yourself and knowing whether or not you can have a co-host and making it very clear what those roles and responsibilities are and just being really open and transparent with communication. Again, for me, I just, you know, I'm a good lone ranger. I can work with co-hosts when I need to, but when it comes to building this podcast specifically, you know, I wanted to make sure like this was my baby and and this was my thing and I wanted to have full control over it and, you know, and and I still do. But I mean, that's not to say that there's never going to be an opportunity to maybe bring in a co-host or to bring in, you know, a regular panelist or something. I mean, I think those options are always kind of on the table when the time is right with the right partnership. I love that. And speaking of you building this brand, you have shifted very well from just streaming to live shows. How did you come up with that idea? How did you know you wanted to do live shows? Um, yeah, I mean, one thing that I really like to do is look at the 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 landscape overall see what everybody else is doing and then try to, you know, stay ahead of the curve, right? I always like to think of new things that people aren't doing that I can do, you know, like when it came to the wine line that I had that I'm, you know, working on relaunching soon, um, that came down to like, okay, everybody's doing merch, everybody's creating t-shirts, everybody's, you know, doing these, these sweaters with memes, whatever. I was like, what's something that I can do that's different, that resonates with me, that also would connect with my audience, right? And I was like, well, I go live every Thursday night on YouTube and Instagram. We all have a cocktail. It's Thirsty Thursday. Thursday night. So we're all having a cocktail as it is. What if there was an opportunity where I was able to develop an alcoholic beverage that we can all imbibe and enjoy together um, that, you know, isn't just your standard merch. And so, you know, I then decided to launch the wine line. It was supposed to be limited edition just for the summer. It went really well that we kept it going for a year and a half. And now we're, you know, hopefully going to get to bring it back soon. But, you know, it's just, I always like to look at what people like where's the white space in the market and how do I tap into that and so when it came to doing live shows I started doing them at the start of 2021 um and I was like okay that's something that you know I mean people definitely tape live podcasts but I was like I want to make them more of like you know an experience I want to bring on other creators I want to make it a bit more of a variety show and just have different pieces of it that make it feel a little more fun and maybe you know since the first I would say 2021 I focused a lot more on like housewives and bravo content um and I was like I want them to feel like mini bravo cons right so like you know when it came to doing those shows and I also felt like people were in a place where we were finally out of 2020 or sorry I did it in 2022 not 2021 um all these years are such a blur I look back and I'm like was that 20 a blip in time yeah (laughs) but I was like I think people are ready to get in you know back into life again and and they want to go out they want to meet their friends that they talk to in the live chat you know on youtube they want to be able to connect with people again we lost that connection and the only way we were able to connect was through you know zoom youtube whatever and so i was like you know i think it's time to to start to do some live shows and to make them a fun experience that people want to get out and go and and be a part of and so you know i think we've we've done a really good job at that 
you have I've seen so many clips from it and I have friends that have gone and they've they've all loved it and that's got to be a great feeling because like what is it like yeah. to see it's one thing to see that you have great numbers and you know you have this many streams and this many people watching your videos but what is it like to see like a room like physically full of people that are there to support you and love you I always think that the room's going to have like 10 people. Like I literally am like, nobody's ever going to show up. Nobody's ever going to, even when the ticket sales come in, I'm still like, I don't believe everybody's going to show up. Like, you know, and so when you get there and there's a full room of people and they're there, you know, to see you, it, it is really crazy. And it, it, it is, you know, such a, a rewarding feeling. Cause more than I look at it from like the ego validation of like, wow, they're here for me. I think of it more as it's like, because so many people come to these shows solo and they get to connect with other people that they've maybe chatted with online or just watch the same content. There's already that similar interest, right? They watch the the podcast or they watch Housewives and they can relate on that. That to me, I like seeing the community that gets built through these shows. Um, and I like seeing people connect. So to me, that's really important is knowing that there's a community that we're all a part of that we're able to connect, you know, connect with each other on. Have there been like any, because obviously when we film and we record things, they're not live. So we have time to like tweak them and fix any kinks or bumps or whatever. What is it? Have you had any like awkward moments at any of your live shows where you're like, okay, this is live. Like we just have to roll with it. There's nothing we can do. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's always things that come up. I remember I was, I just did a big show back in June at the bourbon room. It was my 30th birthday. Lala Kent was supposed to be our special guest. And then at the very last minute, Bravo was like, we're putting all of the cast on a press hold and she can't be in the show after all. And so I was like, we love those press holds when things are literally 24 hours before the show, after I've promoted it and she's promoted it and all of that. And so I was like, okay, we got to roll with it. We got to pivot. We got to let the audience know. And I was like trying, I was, I had faith up until like the last two minutes before we had to go on stage. Like maybe we can make it work. Um, And ultimately at the end, we just, we weren't able to make it work and Bravo wasn't willing to budge. They still allowed her. She was going to show up and she was just going to be like. Well, she still attended the event. They just didn't allow her to come on show on on stage and tape the show. So she was still physically there and she took photos with people and she was taking selfies. And so, yeah, which was very sweet of her. Um, You know, we made it work to the best that we could, but it's like, and I think that's one thing that I learned from doing stand-up. Because when you do stand-up, you never know how the audience is going to react. And sometimes you're going to have a joke that just bombs. And you have to just keep the show going. And you have to keep rolling through it. Yeah. And it does hurt your ego in the moment. But you always realize that, you know, it's never as bad to the audience as as you think it is in your head. You know, you just have right. to keep the show going and keep the pace moving. And even if there are bumps, you just have to act like that was all part of the show. <laughs> How do you like pick your your co-hosts and the special guests you bring to the show? Do you have like a vision board or something and you kind of just, okay, like this way I really want. And then that turns into this person is more realistic time-wise. Like, how does that process work for you? Um, I mean, it's more of just like, okay, what's the date? Um, who do we know in that city? How can we, it's more, to me, it's more about logistics. Who right. can we realistically get to show up on stage that day? Um, I would love to say, I mean, I feel like my life is by design. It's all through manifestation and vision boards and lists. But when it comes to the live shows, it's more of just like, okay, who can we make work and how can we, you know, put on a good show? Um, but, and, and it's always turned out really well. 
It has. I've the clips I've seen are so funny. The last interview that I did with my old co-host, we actually did the Brav Bros, and it was right before. Oh yeah. It was right before you guys um, had your show in New York, and they were so excited about it. And I thought it was two different worlds that didn't make sense together, but also made sense together in the most like obvious way at the same time. Because you would never think their podcast to begin with, I would never think would be a a thing. Because it's it's such a like we'll only think like a certain group of people watches these shows. So to see them. And then you together doing it and bringing two different worlds together, I feel like was so fun. And that's why it worked so well. Yeah, I love the Brav Bros. Um, and so when the opportunity came to do a live show with them, I was, you know, I was all in. I've always been a fan of theirs. I thought that what they were doing was really interesting and unique and creative. You know, there aren't many straight guys that are on a podcast talking about Bravo that actually enjoy it and are <clears throat> passionate about it. You have Ryan Bailey, and I think Ryan's great. He's a good friend of mine. Um, and, you know, Steel and Shooter, I think, are doing really well with their podcast, The Brav Bros. And, you know, I wanted to, I always wanted to make sure that if I ever did a live show, I wanted it to be an opportunity where I could share the stage with other people that I like and support and want to continue to help, you know, um, see, be successful in this space. You know, I've been in it for a really long time. I know that not everybody is as supportive or collaborative and I never want to be that person. I always want to lift up other people. I don't like to look at anybody else in this world as a competitor as much as I like to be like, we're all doing this. We all have a unique perspective and we can all be able to share that. And so that's why I like to have other content creators that get to participate in my show. Um, Cause I've had, you know, even people that listen to my podcast that were then introduced to the Bra Bros and they're like, Oh my God, I love them. I didn't know about right. them before, but I'm so glad that you connected me with them because now I'm a big fan of their show and I'm like good because they have a great show and I want everybody to listen to their show well that's the thing and that it's so refreshing that you do that because I feel like there's there really is infinite space for all these different creators everyone yeah but we're so quick like there's so many people that are so quick to be like oh I don't want to like give this person like exposure on a platform because then it takes away from me and it's like well it doesn't like what you do is so different like there's only like yeah. as cliche as it is there's only one you so it's like nobody can be Zach Peter you know what I mean besides yeah. you and and not everybody's going to resonate with you. Sometimes they're going to resonate with somebody else. And rather than have them tune into you and they don't really resonate with you or they don't really care about your opinion, it's like, no, there are 10 other people that are talking about the same thing that maybe have an opinion or a perspective that is going to resonate with you. You know, Barbara wants somebody that's going to hate on Lisa Rinna. So there are 50 other fucking bitches Barbara doing that. Barbara needs to mind her own go, damn yeah. business, okay? I don't Barbara. want Barbara because Barbara be snipping at me. And so I'm like, Barbara, Barbara, bye. Barbara, there is the door. Okay. We've had it with your yeah. show, Barbara. <laughs> yeah. Go to the clickbait bloggers. There you, you can find them over there. Barbara seems more into like conspiracy theories, clickbait, <laughs> and like anti everything. Barbara's very problematic. Yeah. <laughs> when can we expect more live shows from you because you've are, are there any cities that you haven't gone to that you're dying to host a show in mm, I want to go to Dallas because I used to do a lot of stuff in Dallas outside of the podcast so it'd be nice to go back to Dallas or Austin I want to go to Florida a lot of people have requested Florida I mean listen I was very clear I was like listen once the New York show which was the last show that I was planning on doing for the year I'm like 
once that's done, I don't, I want to take a break. I don't want to do any more live shows. Like I'm burnt out because in the same, at the same time that I was doing the live shows, I was also in the process of moving. I had just gotten a puppy. I've now gotten a second puppy. So I have two six month old puppies right now. Nice. Um, on top of moving. And I just, you know, I was adding so much onto my plate um, that I was like, I want to completely like, just like take all of August or September, like just take a beat and take a break. And then now that, and then once we wrap the New York show, um, like within a day or two, I was like, okay, so maybe we can start adding more shows to the calendar. I think <laughs> that's literally you know, me. Now that I've made it through, like, and now I can, you know, see outside, I can see beyond right. that. I'm like, okay, let me burn myself out again. It's that um, first good night of sleep. I feel like after yeah. you've been burnt out, where you're like, nope, I'm not doing anything for the longest time. I'm gonna focus on me and like do like an arts and crafts class or something really random and not do anything work related. And then the minute you go to sleep and you wake up, you're like. I want to do more like <laughs> yeah I just need one good night and and then I'm ready to rally <laughs> what I is- just I can't stay I have yeah. to stay busy I I like to stay busy I have to stay busy right. you know I I thrive when I'm doing things and not when I'm just like sitting and not doing anything I need to be actively doing stuff that's me I'm like a mix I feel like I'm a mix between like a Kardashian and Tinkerbell like if you don't clap <laughs> I die so uh, I need to constantly be doing things. Yeah. What is next for you? Because obviously you've done like more than what you've done is more than like most content creators like put together. What is something that you haven't done yet that you that you would like to do next in your career? Um wow, that's a really good question. I mean, I don't know. I was kind of in this place. It's funny. I was moving into my new apartment this week and, or sorry, over the weekend. And I was going through like all these old notebooks as I was packing things up and like being like, okay, what are we keeping? What are we getting rid of? Which is like moving is so cathartic because you get rid of so much shit and you don't realize how much shit you have that you just like didn't need or didn't want anymore. You don't want to get rid of it Um, in that moment. You're like, I couldn't, I could never be without this. Like, how do I get rid of this? And then you Marie Kondo your life and it's so much better. Um, But so I was finding all these old notebooks and I was finding all of these lists of all these things that I wanted to accomplish, you know, numbers that I wanted to reach, revenue that I wanted to bring in, uh, guests that I wanted to have on the show, you know, just these different metrics for my career. And in going through all of them, I was like, wow, I actually have done so much or I'm so close to achieving that. And these are lists that I've written and, you know, saved over the course of like several years. So to look back at something that I wrote in like 2019 and to be like, wow, I far surpassed that number. You know, I'm, you know, far beyond where I ever thought that I was going to be at that point, because to me, that was such a big goal and a big vision. So I feel like right now I'm in a really good place where I'm really happy with where everything's at. I want to continue building the show. I want to continue to, you know, see the content. You know, I want to build out maybe new content, maybe get into some new spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, listen, I'm kind of open to anything. Maybe I could even see myself like instead of talking about reality TV, maybe I throw my hat in the ring at some point. I you know, like that. possibilities are endless. And I think... I don't have a very specific goal at the moment other than just kind of staying in this happy bliss. And I feel like, you know, I know when it's time to make a move and I know, you know, when it's time to, to 
take a beat. And I think right now I'm just, I'm sitting in the gratitude of like the life that I've built. And I know when it's time to make that next move, I, I will make it. Like I said, I'm, I want to bring back the wine. Um, I want to continue building out the content. So none of that's going away anytime soon, but we'll see. Time will tell. I love that. And if ever need I can't give away all the secrets just oh. yet. <laughs> I have to keep a couple of things under the sleeve. Well, if you ever need a co-host in Boston. Yes. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't know if I can actually do that, but I I can't wait to come see you live finally because like I said, I've heard the best things about it. But I've been asked to do Boston. So that's actually a very realistic thing. Boston is so fun. We were there with Teresa when she came and it was like, I didn't realize how much, I grew up in Connecticut and Obviously, you think of like LA and New York and all these places when you think of the Bravo things, but I didn't realize how many like other cities are obsessed with reality TV and Bravo and like all these different things. So Boston is definitely a place you should check out to do a show because it's, there's so many content creators I didn't realize were in Boston and so many people that I've met randomly traveling in the airport that are obsessed with the Real Housewives and Bravo and everything. So I definitely think we, we would love to have you in Boston. So, okay yay well thank you so much for hanging out with me zach you are one of the busiest people i know and i definitely look up to you in terms of what you're doing and while i'm trying to figure out what i'm doing and it really means a lot to me to have you here and to listen to you talk about your journey and what you have coming up so i just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to hang out with me and getting to know you a little bit better thank you peter i appreciate it Of course, we will see you soon. You guys check out Zach, Peter, everywhere, Instagram, everywhere you get your your, uh, podcasts, YouTube, everywhere. He's literally all over the place. He's literally like Ryan Seacrest. So (laughs) we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye.